Okay, ladies, I think we'll get started, so we'll be on time. Try to be on time. Last week, we looked at chapter 1 of Hebrews, and we saw God speaking through the whole chapter. God telling us that Jesus is much superior and more excellent than anything. In this chapter, God tells us that Jesus laid the foundation of the earth, that the heavens are his handiwork, and that he upholds the whole universe by the word of his power. In chapter 1, we saw God tell us that Jesus is Lord. He is God, and he has an eternal throne. And he tells us that Jesus is to be worshipped. He is the heir, the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature. God shows us a lofty view of Jesus in chapter 1. Jesus high above men, above angels, or above any other thing. And after reading chapter 1, in all that beauty of who Jesus is, I imagine that some of the readers, and maybe you, and maybe readers throughout the year thought, okay, I finished chapter 1, and that glorious God, how would he... How would he possibly know what I feel like living down here? He, I mean, after all, he's all these things. I, how, how could he care about me? And maybe you thought that when you read chapter 1. But chapter 2 addresses that whole line of thinking. Because in contrast to chapter 1, the beauty, the glory, the majesty, the lofty view of Jesus, in chapter 2, we see Jesus in his humanity. And it shows us this different side of this same Jesus, this same glorious, powerful, majestic Jesus. We see a humble Jesus who for a time laid aside to take on flesh and blood in the lowliest state of man, far from the realm he'd existed before, and from glorious lofty heights down to lowly level with us. This same Jesus. We see him who was crowned with glory and honor now suffer temptation even to the point of death. And that, reading that, made me think of three questions. The suffering that Jesus went through, and it made me think of these three things. How was Jesus tempted? And did he really suffer when he was tempted? And why would Jesus choose to suffer temptation? And those are the three questions we want to address today. Now, you may say, a lot of focus you're doing on God. Yes, it is about Jesus because I want us to see the extremes that Jesus went to because of his great love for us, that he would leave all that to be like us. And I think it will elevate our view of who Jesus is and the extremes he went to to show his great love for man. I don't know if you know that show, Undercover Boss. I've watched that show several times, and um, every episode kind of has the same theme. The president or the CFO or the boss disguises himself as the lowliest person at his company. And... um, He wants to try to understand what life is like for that one at the lowly level. 
And so for a short time, he works alongside this person, and he listens to what's going on in his life. He learns his needs. He listens and witnesses his pain and hurts. And he's trying to better understand this man's position in life. And it's pretty eye-opening for the boss. And every show always ends with this great ending. The president, boss, CFO, calls this one in and reveals who he really is. And to the surprise of the lowly one on the totem pole, he has orchestrated circumstances and maybe even finances to help make this person's life better or at least more pleasant. Now, maybe you can see the analogy of where I'm going with this. Um, In a thread of similarity, that's sort of what Jesus did for us, but the analogy breaks down really fast because this boss, he has a self-centered agenda. He wants uh, his company to be more successful. He wants others to admire him. He wants his employees to have a better relationship with management. And he wants other people to want to come be a part of this company. He has a self-centered agenda. But not Jesus. He had no personal agenda or self-centered need. He did not need better relationships because he had perfect companionship. He did not need others' admiration or praise. He already had worshipers. And besides, Jesus is complete in himself. He doesn't need someone to assure him he's great or you're a really great man. He needs nothing. He has every resource at his disposal. As today's scripture told us, there is nothing outside his control. He came for no personal agenda, no selfish goal, no need to fill. He was just coming with pure unselfish love for Adam's offspring, for his brothers, for us. So I want to look at the temptation that Jesus went through today. And we're going to read in Luke 4 what you read in your lesson. But we're going to look for answers to those questions. How was Jesus tempted? Did he really suffer when tempted? And why would he choose to suffer temptation So let's read Luke 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned to the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to be bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If then you will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it's written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. 
And Jesus answered him, It is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now, this is the setting to which Jesus was tempted. He was led by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, straight into the wilderness where he would be tempted. This was not an accident. God orchestrated where he went. And it wasn't just a quick, fast thing. It was 40 days. And at a point where Jesus was vulnerable physically, the circumstances were prime for temptation to be a real issue. Jesus was hungry from not eating for 40 days. He was probably fatigued. And if you've ever been in that climate, the searing heat gets you. And I'm sure that Jesus felt that. He probably hadn't bathed, and so he was probably uncomfortable. He was at an uncomfortable, uh, physically uncomfortable state. And it was at this particular time that the devil tempted him. This first temptation was in the area of the physical realm. Although, y'all, every temptation always deals with the spiritual devil basically said, command this stone to be bread. He knew Jesus was hungry. He tempted Jesus to satisfy an earthly need without trusting God to take care of it. Short-circuiting. Jesus' response shows us that part of the issue, part of the issue was to choose to focus on the temporal rather than the eternal because Jesus' response was, Man shall not live by bread alone. Ladies, the Lord Jesus was tempted in every respect as we are. You ever been tempted to focus just on the here and now? Forget about eternity? You ever tempted to satisfy a legitimate need or desire in an illegitimate way that God did not intend or provide? Jesus understands because he was tempted as we are. The second temptation was more in the psychological, emotional, mental realm. Um, But it always, always, always has a spiritual focus. If you will worship me, all this, all the kingdoms of the world will be yours. All the authority and their glory. And did you pick up that the devil lied? Because ultimately, who has ultimate authority over all kingdoms of the earth? One passage, uh, our passage this week showed us that everything is a subjection to him. Part of the devil's temptation to Jesus might have been um, tempting him to desire to possess and appeal to greed. A desire to be, a temptation to be in control. Because as a man... Jesus wasn't in control of everything, was he? And then the temptation to desire to have power. Now, Jesus already was fully God and fully man, so he had power, but he was living in the realm of humanity. And so as a man, he was not taking rule and authority at that moment. Jesus' response shows that the ultimate issue was in verse 8. You shall worship the 
the Lord your God. Uh-oh, my iPad dropped me. Second. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Because ultimately, the bottom line issue is, who am I going to let rule me? Am I going to let Christ rule me? Am I going to let do what God wants? Or am I going to do what I want? <clears throat> Ladies, Jesus understands because he's been tempted in every respect as we are. Ever been tempted to um, struggle with thinking, oh, that promotion should have been mine. I deserve that. Ever struggle being rebellious against your husband or a policeman or um, a boss or someone in authority? The temptation to be in control, to, have, to be your own authority. Are you tempted to be envious of your neighbor's things? Maybe that p- temptation to possess. All these things are temptations that Jesus would understand because he's been tempted like we are in the same respects. His third temptation was largely in the spiritual realm. If you're God, if you're the, if, excuse me, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. He tempted Jesus to presume on God's goodness, to doubt God's faithfulness, to question God's word. If you are the son of God, prove it. Jesus knew he was the son of God. And I think it um, may have, Jesus might have had a temptation to go, well, yeah, I should let him know. At the moment of when he was physically weak, because Jesus' response showed that the ultimate issue is to trust God. If he had done that, he would have thwarted God's plan. In verse 12, he says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Ultimately, the issue was to entrust himself to God. Ladies, Jesus was tempted in every respect as we are. Do you find it hard to trust God's promises? When things seem to be going wrong, do you go, God must not love me anymore? Jesus understands. He was tempted to doubt God's goodness. In in chapter 4, in a a couple weeks, we are going to read verse 15 of chapter 4. And it says this. I'm looking at it, a passage here. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Okay, you may say to me, Carol, I see how Jesus was tempted, but, I mean, let's be real, he was God. You know, I mean, really? I mean, it was a short time. I mean... Now, this sounds very sacrilegious, I know, but in some of you in the depths and deep parts of your mind are thinking, yeah, but was it really that big a deal? Jesus had all power, all authority. He could have done something. He was God, but he chose to live in the realm of his humanity because to do anything else would have thwarted God's plan to bring salvation. To have skipped the cross... We could never be here today. We could never have salvation through Christ. And I think at times it may have been difficult for Jesus that he was tempted, that he knew he could change things. And yet, he chose not to obey his Father's will, all because of his great love for us. 
And this is probably not the only time that Jesus was tempted. Luke 4 alludes to that when it says the devil left him for a more opportune time, some other point. And then we looked at some passages this week in Matthew 16, where Jesus is explaining to his disciples that he's going to suffer and die. And Peter pulls him aside and says, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. This isn't really going to happen. And Jesus rebuked, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter's a tool of the devil right then. And Jesus recognizes that and says, I I reject that. I'm not going to live and give in to that temptation. How about the Garden of Gethsemane, where he struggled in prayer, asking God to remove the cup from him, that cup of what he was going to face, a death on a cross, and a lot of physical pain and suffering far beyond what we can imagine and through what any of us have been through. He reminded his disciples that they better get up and pray Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. Jesus' solution was to watch and pray, to be aware, to pray. He he struggled so much in temptation that he sweated drops of blood. And most importantly of all, how about the temptation on the cross? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? At that moment, Jesus felt rejection from the love of his father, which he had always perfectly known, from the companionship he'd experienced his entire existence. He felt the weight of all sin for every man and woman and child for all of time, all on him at once. And by Jesus' question, why have you forsaken me? God had turned his back on him. But at that moment, Jesus apparently was tempted to believe that, God, are you really going to bring this plan to pass? Are you sure it's going to happen? Have you forsaken me forever? Yes, Jesus really suffered in temptation. In the physical realm, in the psychological, emotional, but always in the spiritual realm. His temptations were in dire conditions, in lonely places, in mental battles, in physical weakness. He truly suffered. He resisted temptation to the point of shedding blood at Gethsemane. And I mean, I think I've resisted temptation if I don't eat that third cookie. I mean, that's nothing like what Jesus endured. No wonder this passage tells us Jesus suffered when tempted. And because of that beautiful act of our Lord, he can understand in every respect how we are tempted because of his great love for us, because he's been through it. So we've seen how Jesus suffered, and yes, that he really did suffer when tempted. So the final question is why? Why would Jesus choose to be tempted? I mean, he could have just come down and kind of found out like that undercover boss, just what life's like for a few days. But to choose to live like man, to be limited in a human body, to experience his pain and suffering, even death. Chapter three tell, 2 tells us many reasons. In 17 so that he would become a merciful and faithful high priest. 
And don't you love that? He's, it's something for what somebody say, oh, I'm sorry, I really feel for you. And it's another person say, man, I know what you're going through. And that's Jesus. I know what you're going through. Verse 17 also tells us that because he suffered in temptation, it was also that he could make propitiation for the sins of the people. And in 9, so that he could taste death for everyone. So he knows why we're afraid of death. He wanted to deliver us from that lifelong slavery. In verse 14, to destroy the power of death. And the one who has it. And 15, to deliver those who are in lifelong slavery. In 10, verse 10, to bring many sons to glory. And in verse 18, to help those who are being tempted. And that's us, isn't it, y'all? Oh, the links that our Lord Jesus the great, lofty, glorious, mighty Jesus went to to rescue hopeless, helpless sinners like we are. Suffering temptation, tasting death. What kind of God is that? So chapter 2 gives us a grave warning. Therefore, pay much closer attention. Don't mess around with this message that you've heard about Jesus. He's not just an angel. He's God. There's been lots spoken, witnessed, and written about him. And you have no excuse. You can count on this fact. There is no escape for those who neglect so great a salvation. Ladies, we can drift. We can drift so easily. Pay much closer attention. And if there's one in here today or more, if you have neglected so great a salvation, won't you accept his gift today? You've seen what he's done, what great links he went to to bring you salvation. Let this be the day that you hear his voice and respond. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I'm overwhelmed at your great love for us, that you would choose to to lower yourself on our level. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't bypass the cross. You didn't bypass suffering and pain. You wanted to understand your people. I thank you, Lord, because of what you've done, that you have reached Abraham's offspring that you have made us brothers and that you have brought, you will bring us to glory. Lord, I thank you that nothing is out of your control. Everything is in subjection under your feet. And we rejoice today, Lord, in what you have done. May we hear it and heed it and live in the beauty of that gospel. In your name we pray, amen.